live from the turkey pasture at the Folk River Farm in Suffolk, Virginia, and brought to you by Green Giant, picked at the peak of perfection, green beans. I'm Delmon. And I'm Malicious. And this is EQ2 Talk. Is episode number 72, and we are recording on November 6, 2013. And Allie, why don't we still have theme music? I've been trying to find the answer to what does a fox say? Well, I think we should ask our very special guest this week, who is the expert in all things of what animals say, I think. Let's introduce Holly Windstarker Longdale, the senior producer for EverQuest 2. Welcome to the show, Holly. Hello, hello. You wouldn't happen to know what the fox says. You? No idea. Uh, I, I deal in bears. <laughs> wow. Why did I think of that? <laughs> what does the bear say, Allie? We should have gone with that. Who writes this stuff for us? <laughs> Not so, me. Holly, you are actually, we, we, I don't know, Delph, you mentioned she's a three-time guest of EQ2 Talk. You're the first one. Yes, this is exciting. This is our very first three-way here. Oh, uh, or three Pete. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say hat trick, but no. So <laughs> three-way doesn't mean what I think it means? Um, I'm Canadian, so I don't know. Okay. Oh. oh you're not, are you French-Canadian? I probably shouldn't respond to that either. Oh, no. That probably won't go well. Yeah, no, no. Not with Allie, at least. West Coast Canadian. I'm actually American now, but I'm dual citizen. So the other coast Canadian. <laughs> I think they say America's hat. Yes. <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> or wear Canada's pants, depending on how you Oh, hey, there's an interesting one. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Canada's pants. <laughs> I like it. We're off to a good start. <laughs> no, I'm really happy to be back. Well, welcome back. Yes. Well, let's ask you then, since your last visit with us about a year ago, uh, what would you say as senior producer has been the biggest and best thing that's happened uh, this year for the world of EverQuest 2? To be honest, I don't want this to sound cheesy, but uh, SOE Live this year was a real eye-opener for us. Um, and I think I referred to this once before, too, that um, we revived, um, after the uh, SOE Live in 2012, we revived our Area 51 forum, uh, where we invited, um, well, you uh, were, are among them, Delmon, uh, people to come in and share uh, our fan sites uh, and game experts to talk about some issues and on development and ideas the development team has. And I feel like we're, we're, our experience with the community has been a really good one in the past year, and it's really helping our direction in the game. And the entire team feels really solid and confident and really proud of the direction the game is going. And honestly, we do credit the community with that, that and the team. Uh, who's listening to the community and participating, like Kander. Uh, Kyle Valley, who's our lead designer, is very involved with the Area 51 in the community. So 
I really feel like we're in a good place with the community and, and doing what's right for the game. So I'm thrilled at the way the game has gone. I think the content is second to none to all the rest we've ever done. Uh, and we're responding to what players are asking for. And ultimately, as a gamer myself, that's the dream, right? You want a game that is responding to the community that's playing it and, and ultimately keeping it alive and who love it. Well, speaking of um, direction and maybe speaking of what the characters or the players want, um, talking about heroic characters, the what we've been calling Insta Max Level, or in this case, it would be Insta 85s. Yes. Um, yeah. We have debated about this a lot on the podcast over, I don't know, the last year or so. Um, and I think it was a bit of a surprise to a lot of players when you announced it at SOE Live. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you guys, how this feature came to be and some of the decisions that went into it? Like, for example, why 85 and why not max level? I don't know if... Ali, this is a leading question, but my first, my first, uh, the first time I talked with both of you, um, we brought, we had, we actually discussed this very issue. And even back then, and I think I'd only been a few months on the job, um, early in 2012, um, you had said, you know, you have alts and you would, you, Delmo, significant, would consider paying for a character that would be at, at an advanced level, which is, you know, you are probably one of our more infamous fans who would prefer not to pay um, for content. But when you do require it um, at this stage of the game, having it be nine years going into its 10th year, as experts in the game, there's some stuff you don't feel necessary to do over again. So... Um, that was the first time I heard it discussed. The team itself, who's been around for many more years than I have, um, it's been discussed probably for the past maybe three years, two, three years um, as an option. Um, because, and again, you know, the feature itself, offering higher level characters, um, is a, a discussion uh, in and of itself. Um, of course, the whole cost factor, how, what, what is it, what is the value of that, um, and do you assign an actual cost to it, is it an in-game achievement, all those other um, questions had to be discussed over the long term, but especially now, uh, at this stage of the game, um, and we'll probably, we, we can get into this a little bit uh, later, um, our game is very top-end heavy. Uh, and we do recognize that when players want to come in and, and hang out with their friends um, or return to the game and hang out with their friends, the biggest barrier is the slog grind fest from one to where the bulk of the content is and where people who are playing the game who want to bring in their friends are. So 90 to 95. The reason we chose level 85 is because even as gamers ourselves and as devs, we don't want to give away the highest level of the game. We figured that was unfair. And as you know, um, after level 90, we basically have five levels per level um, at level 90 with our prestige abilities and so on. So we wanted to make sure that no matter who would pick up one of these characters, between 85 and 90, 92 they would get a good sense to how, of how to play their character. They wouldn't be, you know, quote-unquote noobs um, or a pay-to-win 
character, they'd probably have a reasonably good grasp of how to play. So that's why we chose level 85. Also, 85 to 95, as you know, is not insignificant uh, in terms of leveling um, and getting experience in the game. Um, It does take some time to do if you're doing it in the game naturally. Um, So, you know, I, I can't even... We've had some horrifying meetings um, <laughs> in the past two to three months where we basically we looped in every department we could think of. We looped in our community department. Um, we also, as I mentioned, Area 50, 51 before, we, we opened it up there and asked for input um, to look for some of those like gotcha things that, that we may not have thought of or what the community might find really offensive. Um, and that's why when we launched it, we wanted to make sure that we gave everyone an equal opportunity and we gave existing players one free one, um, as well as um, newer accounts as of when we announced it, they could get one free one for a period of two weeks. Because we felt like the goal was not really, uh, our goal is not to make money specifically with this feature. It is to kind of get everyone in the game who wants to bring in their friends, get everyone to the same power level to some degree, and have a really good, strong experience starting at level 85. Um, And so that's, you know, I could probably spend an hour talking about the details and the conversations Mm -hmm. that went into it. Um, And we also, you know, the price point for the ones that are purchased is still kind of relatively high because we didn't want to diminish the value and the time that it actually does take to get a level 85. Not only that, we give you a reasonably good, of solo gear uh, amount as you know um, and, and some goodies like potions and, and things that help you along um, and that's certainly not um, we didn't want to trivialize um, uh, the value of what it takes even time wise to get to level 85 so that's why it's got a high price point because we didn't want to make it so accessible um, and then of course um, it, to be honest with you we've been actually pretty surprised um, we always watch our forums, as you know, and we had been really concerned that this would be perceived as kind of a pay-to-win uh, feature. But I think anyone who knows our game well knows that a level 85 is not really paying to win. Mm-hmm. Um, there is significant effort required to get to the high end of the game and gear up. So, yeah, that's the long answer. <laughs> when you first announced it, were you hesitant or fearful that you might get the pullback that Smoke Jumper kind of did when he first floated the idea in the forums? Uh, what was it now, about two years ago or so? I actually wasn't because, fortunately, I wasn't around for that. And I think we're we're in an era now where our ears are open. You know, I think we had spent a significant amount of time talking to our friends and fans, and that includes you, to get some sense of what's the right direction to go in. What if we were to do this? What's the correct way to go about it? Um, and what would be acceptable and palatable to the community? And I think the blend of things we came up with um, kind of made it just, it kind of really eased out there. Yeah. It was amazing really how little blowback there was. I think people now recognize, you know, anyone who wants to play an alt, which is really, we're really serving returning players uh, and our existing players who like to make a lot of alts. Um, So it's really designed for them. It's not designed for new players. 
So we wanted to make sure we were factoring in everything we could that we'd heard from the community. And I think because of that, um, it was a bit more palatable. That and giving one away free to everyone, um, you know, diminished that perception that it's like a money grab. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the notion that it could be pay to win. So I think, um, honestly, I do, I credit uh, the team and working with the community and the really good feedback we got. I think we came up with a pretty good balance. Were you surprised by anything that you've seen that you said, well, I, I didn't expect that? Yes. I can't give you the number of how many heroic characters were redeemed, but it's astronomical. It's far beyond anything I would have expected. And, you know, like I said, the goal wasn't really to see big sales numbers. This is about getting people into the game uh, and playing with their friends it's really about opening up access um, to the high end of the game where the majority of our population is. And I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, like I said, I can't tell you any numbers, but it's, it's really astronomical just in those two weeks, how many people redeemed and logged in to a heroic character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can say as a, from an anecdotal point of view, when I was logging in that night uh, or those nights after it first launched, there was many, I, I think three, perhaps even sometimes four, I don't remember exactly, multiple instances of Great Divide spawning up, uh, and, and only because there must have been players out there. Right. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> and all of us are still playing. You know, it's even for a lot of us who, I, I probably mentioned this before, but, you know, I played since beta, and I, even when I was working on the EQ team, um, I was a fan of EQ2, and I, even back in those days, um, Akil Hooper, who's our creative director now, um, he and I had been playing in uh, a raiding guild in EQ for years. Uh, in fact, he helped me get the job um, at Sony as a designer way back when. Um, and he and I were playing um, with uh, 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 an SOE guild, basically, and playing through all the content ourselves. And I have maintained, as we all do, you know, I kept the same character I had, you know, from um, 2004, I guess, mm-hmm. um, coming back, you know, I didn't even recognize the game when I originally came back. Um, you know, when I had left the game uh, originally, there were no AAs. And so I felt pretty gimped. Um, uh, and even now, you know, playing new characters, I'm fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kicking up my old shadow knight that, you know, I start to feel a little, you know, I felt like I was the expert then. You know, I remember when I got my prismatic weapon, I, <laughs> you know, I was godly at that point. Um, and now it's, it's, it was laughable when I logged in again. So um, being on the heroic characters, there's a really strong feeling of, of safety and kind of rewinning the game. And we're all kind of getting deeper into the content we've all been developing recently. Um, and it's been a really, it's a real joy and eye opener for us. And you'll probably see or have seen some reactions to that uh, in the bug fixes and things that we kind of massage and update as we go forward. So the tutorial system update, um, that was part of that um, because it was a disaster, in my opinion, with all the big weird windows and, you know, there were some little purple question marks and a bit of this and a bit of that. Um, And it was, in my opinion, it was sloppy. So we, you know, we, we started cleaning things up because, you know, we're re-energized and invigorated by kind of re-experiencing everything again. And we've, I can tell you, as you have, we've all played the one to, you know, 90 
almost, it probably feels like infinite times. <laughs> so that stuff is pretty polished. <laughs> so it's now like getting to the end game where, you know, we're really starting to, to really pay attention to the polish and uh, things that we may not have seen for a couple, two, three years with Velius. So yeah, it's been great for us. So you talked about it being an astronomical number. Um, was this a win back? And if so, obviously, if it was, I would imagine it has been a success. But was that the intention? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, you know, like I'm sure you can appreciate in a year you look at, you know, okay, well, what's our plan? And we collaborate with our marketing department and so on in PR. And it seemed like, you know, outside of what we would typically do with a game update or an expansion, we thought, you know, if we're going to do this heroic characters feature, then we should probably tie it to something that we do call like a win back campaign. Um, ironically the win back campaign we usually do is to invite our um, players who haven't played and i think they went back many years of pre-existing characters uh, or sorry pre-existing accounts and invited them to come back and typically what we do is we give them an offer if you um, subscribe we'll give you some goodies like a house or a mount or something but attached to that this time we we had this heroic character feature which wasn't really part of the win back program. It just seemed like a wise time to, to indicate that we had this feature available. Um, and that alone, I think the, the offer of a, you know, try a level 85 character for free. Um, it really did wonderful things for us. I can honestly tell you the number of people logging in on a daily basis has been, we haven't seen numbers like this in a long time. It's really good. It's been really great. Yeah. Uh, I actually have two real-life friends who played at launch. Uh, then when, when that other game by that other company came out just about the same time EQ2 did, they transitioned over to that. But uh, now with the Insta85s, they've decided to come back and give it a try, and I, I think they're enjoying it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a steep learning curve, uh, yes. especially you know when you jump in there and there you are in Great Divide and you're 85 and you've got all these buttons and all these things at you. Um, spend a night or two just trying to read all the things and, and catch up a little bit, but I, I, I think they're enjoying it. And I think they're they're it's, it's been a good experience because it brings them back into and it's not uh, G Dell. Can you come take me through mm-hmm. uh, through whatever low level zones? I almost don't care what those low level zones are. Just race me through the stormholds and the enchanted lands and the wherevers mm-hmm. so I can come play with you. Right. Well, and it was cool because one of them, at least one, we he just joined us what we were doing and we didn't have to do anything different than what we were going to do. And he could just come along. Well, That's amazing. he did. He, he, he sat down to med <laughs> and we all made fun of him for it. And we're still making fun of him for it. And he hangs his head in shame every time we remind people about that. Cause we were out grouping. I said, why are you sitting down? He goes, I've got a regen man. I go, stand back up. You look like a noob. <laughs> You're embarrassing me. Stand up. That's hilarious. Yes. You take out the fit button. And it's but a really good friend who uh, who uh, outs you on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. So let me ask you, uh, during the summer, we had Darkness Dawn's Game Update 67. Yes. And I have to say we saw some pretty awesome jaw-dropping animations going on with that Game Update. Yes. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the behind-the-scenes that went into that and you know how all that magic happened? Oh, Lord. Um, yes. So 
basically, so I'm sure you can imagine it all started with this notion of, you know, we have to have, we, we really want to, and you've heard me say this a hundred now i'm sure that you know our goal is to this our show not tell philosophy right we want when epic things happen in the world we all think it's a bit bogus to read about it in a quest text um those epic events are things that players really should be a part of right and that's also part of the reason why we've made most of the events in the game accessible at all play styles because there are certainly some things that raiders to some degree should be privy to um, gear, etc. But when we're talking about a story that affects the world that ultimately impacts everyone, if you're a role-playing character in that world, you should all experience it. So we started with that. We knew what event was going to happen um, with Yelenak, Carafirm, etc. So we sat down, um, uh, well, I didn't, the design team did, um, and they worked out a script and they had a bunch of read-throughs. Um, and then determined what they wanted to do. And then uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Toby, but um, Tom Toby has been around with us for a long time and he's one of our crazy, amazing senior animators. And he basically pieced it together. Um, and when you see the, the workups um, and of what the progress of it, um, what it takes with vertices and placements in the zone and how you trigger off all these animations from single locations and all this craziness. Um, I think we initially had the notion it would be something relatively simple uh, in a Cobalt Scar instance. Um, we had planned it to be probably two to three weeks of work, um, and it came out to about two and a half months. So everything you see there, you know, when we're talking about a game that is, you know, coming up on 10 years old, it certainly was well developed in the beginning to allow us to do these kinds of things. But certainly there were no tools. Um, You probably haven't seen too many events like it in EverQuest 2. So, yeah, it was certainly an effort. But everyone, uh, you know, that includes, you know, doing VO and audio. we knew that the content that you're actually doing there is trivial. It's more about telling the story. So the fight um, that you take part in, and we didn't want you to be so focused on that, that you weren't paying attention to the content around you. But yeah, I mean, it was a very delicate dance uh, for about two and a half months, just because we felt it was that important to bring the villain, to bring Carafirm to life. And even to some degree to bring Yelenak to life. Cause he's been in the game forever, as you know, mm-hmm. um, just almost like a figurehead um and it's been nice breathing life into these characters which we're doing again um you'll see that more uh in tears of vision where i think as of beta today or tomorrow all the the vo uh, and flavor vo that we've done is going to be added to the the dragons and the other characters and it really makes a big difference I remember when I played through that that first night, and, and you know, in our in our question, I say jaw dropping, and uh, literally jaw dropping as I'm I'm watching this unfold on the screen, because I had no idea it was coming. Uh, I, I was loyally reading the quest text and following along, and all this stuff happens. And it's funny you say you bring Yelenak to life, and then you well take it away from him very quickly. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> moments later, yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and then you. And I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler. You continue along in the quest a little bit more. You go back to the tent and uh, oh, yeah. basically the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones comes to EverQuest <laughs> 2. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, who are they going to kill next? Uh, me? Yeah. 
uh, you know, I'm like sitting here going, I can't believe they just did all that. Yeah, uh, but, you know, it was actually the the tent. Uh, it, you know, it's funny how these things develop because <laughs> the 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 actual um, event in the tent was it happened so quickly originally you know how we script things together and we, we pull these pieces together um it really didn't come to life until we made vishra a little piece of like crispy bacon on the ground because uh, we you know we had some of the animations and that made it clear that something was happening but at the, at that point it wasn't clear that vishra had just been killed um by lucan so um yeah yeah that was that was one of the more fun ones to to, to get that right with the yeah, crispy viscera. It was. I'll say it was a tough night of gaming for those of us who read the stories. I was like, oh, who's next? Right. right. And you know, well, you obviously know the history with um, Antonia and Vishra. That's what even made it a little sadder. Right. But we should. That's the thing. I'm really proud of our design team. They're not afraid to tackle those kinds of of issues because we can't make really good villains without those kinds of events. You know, when we want you to face something evil and dark, we can't really do it with, you know, yelling and stern words, you know. Well, I have to say, though, now that I think about it, it's a little bit of a trend. Um, you guys killed off the box art lady in mm-hmm. Fiona Vi. Poof. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now you're dropping some of the oldest dragons. Well, let's knock them off. Yep. Uh, it, it, nobody is safe in this world. Uh, yes. It's all death all the time. <laughs> Yeah, so and that's part of you know the the story that that we're telling here is that Norath truly is in danger, and I'm not sure if you've had a chance to go on beta yet, but there's some interesting skybox work in both Freeport and Kinos um, that's even you know visible uh, from uh, Common Lands, um, where you can see that you know the cities are being attacked by dragons. So yeah, there's some cool stuff happening, and you get a sense that you know, things are going a little bit awry now and it will culminate eventually. Hmm. I know we keep saying like, and this is the final chapter. It's like, well, yeah, you know, I think we got another chapter. That's all right. It's just like, you know, the who going on their final farewell tour, right? Again. <laughs> and they are actually, I think again, but, <laughs> but this awesome. is really the end this time for real. <laughs> They're not holograms or something. <laughs> I should say that. Sorry to all the Who fans out there. So if they're alive. So, sorry. Right? <laughs> sorry, I said that too. The Who in Ethernear. We could probably pull that. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Del. Okay. Uh, so the Age of Discovery was recently uh, divvied up into uh, bite size. Fun size, I guess you could call it, maybe, coming on the heels of Halloween. Uh, purchasable features in an, in an a la carte format. Yeah. Can you talk about, like, why now and how have sales been on, the, on those uh, fun size parts? One of the things we noticed, um, and again, you know, this is kind of all goes back to, uh, you know, listening and watching the issues that we find out there. It was kind of an odd state to be in where we had consistently, you know, since December 2011, um, two expansion products for sale. So anybody who would be coming back to the game automatically felt this obligation to buy them both. And we felt that was pretty unfair um, if they didn't understand exactly what they were getting or what the required um, 
purchases were. And we know for some people, there's some features they wouldn't necessarily want. Um, They wouldn't want to necessarily spend that money. Um, If, for example, they just knew their friends told them, you have to get mercenaries. So um, if you want to play. So if somebody just wanted to do dungeon making, for example, or a decorator wanted to do the dungeon piece, um, reforging as well. So, um, yeah, so we decided to just, it was probably the right time to break it out, have one real expansion product for sale to keep it simple for everyone, um, and then make it accessible. As you know, it's available for SC. And we thought at this point it was probably fair to just allow it to be a la carte. So people were... Our goal is to remove as many of the frustrations and punishments and unfunness um, that may exist or the perceived unfunness and keep it simple. That's the goal, you know, just so that you can get in play, have a good time and not feel like there's all these barriers to you doing what you want. And it's been successful. Can you talk about how sales have been? Good. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm sure you can appreciate most, well, probably prior to heroic characters, most people um, who are our general audience had those features. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's surprising how many people, given that we did see a lot of returning players come back, um, how many people picked up. Um, The bundle did really well, um, but it's surprising to, um, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate like Mercenaries um, was one of the most popular Beast Lord yeah, so yeah, it's it's done really well and I think it was definitely the right thing to do. Yeah, I was gonna ask what's the most popular feature and I would I would probably guess mercenaries. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mercenaries Beast Lord and then I believe it was reforging. Which I feel I can't live without reforging anymore. But um so but, you had but, Yeah, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, um, you know, at some point, um Candor uh and Zelgad or uh Kyle Vully and uh, Michael Gans, our systems designer, um, they have a lot of stuff they want to share with um, with players and you guys about how important how important reforging and itemization is going to be. So yeah, reforging very important will be it's now. <laughs> oh yeah. Earlier, you kind of hinted at this. Um, what is the correct pronunciation? Is it Bishan? Or is it Bishan? Or as Del likes to say, Vashin. Oh, wow. <laughs> he always finds a way to mess things up. It's Vishan unless you hire a, a, an actress or actor with an English accent to do your V or your marketing video, in which case it becomes Vishan. But it's Vishan. Interesting. Yes, it is true. I say Vashin. Do you? Really? I do. I do. I try, and I get reprimanded every time because Allie says it's not a hair care product. Uh, I, I guess I, every time I think, you know, you know, you get that silky, smooth, bouncy, full body, machine style hair. That's what it sounds like to me in my head. I don't know why dragons are promoting hair care products, but that's what I hear. For Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and I butcher it. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the expansion. Uh, originally it was going to be scheduled to come out in October, but it could push back into November now. Uh, has that given the team uh, more time to put some more finishing touches and some more polish on it? Yes. Um, and what you, yes. So, (laughs) um, we extended the date, um, 
we had our original date for SOE Live. Um, and as I mentioned, we learned a lot. Um, and, you know, we're not, we're a pretty flexible team. We know when we hear good, smart feedback. Uh, and we made some changes in direction um, as a result. Uh, and we wanted a bit more time to do the polish. Um, yeah. So basically, it was about tying up the loose ends. The, the amount of um, trade skill content uh, coming in the expansion far exceeds what we originally planned. Um, the depth in the content, um, they're even, you know, we're still making uh, tuning and adjustments and changes now based on the feedback we're getting as well as our playthroughs. It'd be nice if we even had uh, a bit more time. But, you know, our goal is to make sure we, we do polished content. And as you know, we made some significant changes with the stats uh, and itemizations to try and make the game more fun um, and smarter, you know? So, yes, we spent a lot of time on it. I was, I just have to say, like, I was playing in High Keep today. Some of the work, like Chris Gerlich, one of our designers, who's a relatively newer one, though he's been at the company for a long time. Uh, he was an apprentice for a while, but we brought him on full time. He's done some incredible work in High Keep. There's so much flavor and detail you'll see goblins doing handstands like walking around patrolling doing on handstands they're drinking there's a band in there playing music there's um a random pig walked by <laughs> named Henry. and that event i can't i won't give you any spoilers but um they're very even for the advanced solo content it's very event driven kind of fun puzzly the the banquet room and high keep there's a big food fight that you get to watch before you know there's no aggro so you get to see them throwing like chicken legs and stuff it's crazy it's it's amazing what they've done it's really it makes it feel like you're not just there punch stuff in the face it's a <laughs> so for those players to um who haven't been reading the quest text or following the lore, which yeah. I'm sure is a horror for you because, you know, being the lore lady of, yeah. of the old days, can you talk about why, uh, why we are off to the Vesper Isles? Sure. Um, so, uh, as you referred to the, the event, uh, that happened, um, we can summarize that really quickly with darkness dawns. Um, basically you have, um, Terraform's made off with the Tiravishan, uh, which turns out to be a, a very powerful artifact. Uh, and in doing that, um, uh, has flung Lendiniara to some random thread of time um, in the past. And as it turns out, she appears uh, in the EQ timeline. Um, so uh, with that, we also killed, uh, Terraform kills Yelenak in the fight to to preserve um, the, the tier of Vishen, which obviously didn't go very well. Um, so uh, after that event, you go to, to meet with Antonia, uh, the duality, uh, Firiona V or Vi, depending on how you like to say her name. Um, and Antonia Bale, did I say Lucan? Anyway, uh, ultimately what happens there is that the new combine army breaks down. So, there's no more real united army in Norath. Um, the tier of Vishan is gone with Karafirm somewhere. Um, and you end up uh, meeting uh, in the introduction in Tears of Vishan. 
um, you're asked to go speak with the, the duality. So uh, upon doing that, um, your goal is to determine what Careform wants with this tier of vision. You certainly know it's a powerful artifact, but at this point it's unknown um, what his uh, purpose will be. But you will learn at that point. Um, he is now in the Temple of Vision uh, and has raised that out of the ground um, and moved it. So um, basically the duality will give you the tools um, through speaking to a couple of folks, um, to uh, he has uh, an oracle has uh, determined that you can locate um, Yelenak. They've determined an ether near where the harrowing horde has basically Yelenak's. It's hard to explain. Basically, the power uh, in Ethernir from the Tier of Vision and ultimately Lendiniara blowing through there, basically. Uh, uh, caused the horde to be pushed back. So all the dragons have basically preserved um, an area in Ethernir that is now the dragon broodlands. That's the, where the dragon dead make their home. So your goal is to go there and meet with Yelenak to find out what the next steps are. So your goal is to thwart Karafirm as the signature storyline um, to determine how to do that and what he's actually looking for and what his goal is. But at the same time, you're going to meet with a bunch of other dragons that are well-known. So Harladar, Frakadar, uh, Wuoshi, uh, Yelenak, of course, and a few others. They're not coming to mind right now. Um, so um, it, there's some really cool individual storylines in there that have a really nice feeling to them. And that I can tell you that uh, the environment's uh, breathtaking. It's really cool in there. So we're going to go meet all the dragons we've been killing for the past several years. They're going to be thrilled to see us. Of course. So, yeah, so uh, the, the cool thing, too, is that we've tried to preserve some of their personalities. So a lot of them aren't too happy to, you know, uh, no longer be living. Uh, but but um, they all have their, their current storylines. They need to, they all have, still have goals. And as you know, for dragons, time and threads of time have very little meaning um, in the way that they don't age in the same way that mortals do, essentially. Um, so there's some really interesting stories there, and they reflect back on the lives they had and what it means to them now. Um, and in some of the adventures you're doing, you're going to various threads in time, which make up uh, High Keep, uh, as well as Pit Claw Depths, um, the Bixie uh, dungeon uh, and the others, the Shisar ones, etc. So, um, and the Nexus Core is a really amazing event. There's a lot of really creative stuff um, or events happening in there uh, that give you a sense of how powerful the Tier of Vision is. Uh, and you ultimately go into Nexus Core and use the power of it to summon Lindaniara from wherever she is um, to learn, you know, what the next steps are. And, and there's a bit of a, a story twist when that happens. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of, they did a really good job. There's a lot of really interesting stories. And then there's the local stories too. Like I said, in, in High Keep, there's all kinds of craziness happening at the local level um, with the really interesting events, like I, the random pig, um, you know, and the, the, the food fight. Um, there's a whole bunch of other interesting things happening in, in there that 
make while your goal is to ultimately find answers for the signature storyline there's these local stories to be told as well in these various threads in time it's pretty cool stuff so let me ask you about leveling in the new expansion um and and more about the uh, leveling vertically versus leveling horizontally uh in the we've been getting small incremental level increases for some time now and the most recent was going to 95 with chains of eternity uh, it was interesting when we first looked that up. It seems like we've been 95 forever, but it's only been a year. You know. <laughs> uh, and, with, and, and with each game update or expansion, we're seeing uh, us har- level horizontally as opposed to – and, and uh, actually to say more AAs and more skills versus, say, levels. Right. Uh, is this a trend that we're going to continue to see going forward? Will there ever be a 95 uh, – excuse me, 95 – 97, 99, or you know, dare I even say 100 level at some point? Right. Um, so, um, as I mentioned earlier, um, our goal right now is to focus our energy, um, on broadening the end game, um, and giving a lot of valuable content, um, and keeping that relatively stable over a period of time so that anytime we do a power increase, we're not, we're not, uh, completely trivializing all this incredible content that you've been working with for, you know, uh, probably a year and a half now. Um, and going through those two, uh, leveling um, in actual vertical levels too quickly, that's the end result. You start trivializing all this this content that was meaningful to you in terms of your achievements or uh, gearing up, for example. Um, there's nothing worse than, you know, running raids for a period of time, um, hoping to get, you know, gear to improve your power or improve your, your guild's power. Uh, and then, you know, three months later, um, it's completely meaningless. Um, because those are some of the achievements we live for, and that's part of being a guild is working as a group to, to um, achieve these goals. So we do want to broaden the end game, um, and we have been doing that. We felt because we had just done a level increase, you know, relatively recently last year, we felt it was still a little too soon to start trivializing all this incredible content with these big game updates we've been doing. So um, we wanted to make sure we maintained uh, for a period of time, but I can tell you that more than likely, you probably will see level increases um, next year, like maybe 100. <laughs> maybe. I mean, that's one of those things, too. Like, we'll, we'll, as I said before, we start floating those ideas just to see what the community thinks, you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you gotta you gotta attach the maybe on there, right? And you know, we honestly, like I said, you know, the vertical it is always a challenge for us too because um, you know, as you know, um, with our prestige abilities, leveling after ninety two, it's five levels per vertical level, essentially, right? So you get five points per level that we consider in our minds. Um, it takes almost a level's worth of experience for each one of those points. So we did want to build out the game horizontally, like you said, because vertically for us, creating enough content to level up and have it be fun and meaningful when it is a single pass through to go from, you know, level, uh, let's say if we said 95 to 97, not only have we trivialized everything previous to that level, all you've done is race through that to get to level 97 probably in two, three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't know how much value is in that, you know, right. for the players or for us, you know. Right. Uh, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think the horizontal 
uh, progression is far better than the vertical. Uh, because, again, it's not like I get to 96 today to enjoy level 96. I get to 96 as a means to get to 97 or whatever the end is. It's not like I stop and smell the roses and go, oh, let me enjoy all the 96 content there is here. Because there there really isn't. I mean, it's only two levels. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's a challenge. Um, So, yeah, we're constantly trying to keep that in mind. But you're right. We are uh, definitely focusing more on horizontal um, progression. Um, when we had Kander on the show a little while ago, he talked about uh, best-in-slot items uh, becoming available from different playstyles instead of it uh, sort of following the traditional route of best-in-slot coming from raid content alone. So is this something we can expect to see with uh, Tears of Vision, where best-in-slot items come from something besides just Epic Times 4 mobs? Yes. Yes. And that is happening uh, in Tears of Vision, but it's all relative too, right? So uh, let's say in advanced solo content, you get a best in slot um, from that content. It may have um, abilities or or, uh, a proc that is specifically useful to soloing. So it's very difficult to talk about this given that... um, uh, the designers have done a really great job to make sure that these, um, so the quick answer is yes, but there is a lot of detail on some of these items that are very specific to um, the play style uh, that you derive it from. So I'm trying to think of an example, like um, I believe there's um, a solo item um, that has, uh, I think it has an AE proc, um, but if you wear that best in slot item in a raid, someone will punch you in the face, probably a guildmate, because you'll aggro everything in a wide space. So, um, and that's actually happening uh, in our testing. There's an item that's best in slot for solo that all the raiders are wearing, and it's gimping all the raids. So, <laughs> but like I said, you know, with, uh, with reforging uh, and the way they've structured um, the item and the way you can upgrade your items, um, there's going to be a lot more flexibility uh, in what you can do with your items. There's a variety of sets available too. um, And reforging, as you know, has been altered. So you can literally, you're not losing uh, stats when you're shuffling them around anymore. You're not losing a percentage. So um, I think you're going to find it a lot more flexible. And there's basically um, a mini game involved now if you want to be structuring your items a specific way for your class. It's pretty cool, actually. If you're into that level, of course, if you're not so much interested in min-maxing, there's always the, the easy kind of templated option uh, for the players. But you're right, yes, there's going to be best-in-slot for every playstyle. A best-in-slot item in each playstyle, not just all for raiders. Uh, I'm very excited by that because uh, I like to enjoy all the playstyles, you know, the solo, the heroic... And the raid, but in the past, what we've seen is when you raid, you get the best, and it kind of um, trivializes the chase that could be in those other playstyles for you. There's no reason to go back to those other playstyles because you've already uh, punched the biggest mob in the face and taken the best stuff. Right, exactly. And it's hard to get a group. <laughs> so it's very hard to get a group, you're right. It's very hard to farm shinies nowadays. <laughs> Uh, we hear that this expansion we're gonna that it's gonna be required that players be flagged for some raid zones or to potentially unlock certain loot. 
Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, why this old school philosophy maybe is coming back a little bit? Sure. Um, it was coming back and we changed it. So um, I believe um, you only at this point now. Okay. So I'll answer. I, it's a two part question. So there was um, a mechanic where if you had participated in killing the mob, you wouldn't be allowed to loot it or loot the item. So, Yes, if, if the question is, was that to curb SLR um, initially? Yes. But after, again, like we talked to um, the community and the players and some of the feedback we got, was, you know, I might want to just bring my alt in and I'm just, I'm in a, you know, I've got a family group, um, you know, and now I've got no, fle- I have no flexibility or my guild will never let me park an alt. So, you know, this is now, um, that stuff's going to rot and it's wasted. So we thought that was no fun either. Um, even though, as you know, we don't condone or support SLR. Um, we also don't want to start adding restrictions that really just force players to figure out workarounds. Like somebody will figure out a workaround and it'll be a pain in the butt and it's just not fun. Mm-hmm. So we removed um, uh, basically loot flagging. Um, so that's out. Um, the second part of that is there was um, a system of progression and flagging for raids, but we removed the majority of those. And I believe now you just have to do um, one of the Shisar zones and only one person needs to be flagged uh, to get into the raid zones. So only one person in your entire raid would have to be flagged. And was that um, was that also changed as a result of player feedback? Yeah, it's again going back to this, like, you know, yes we want there's some things we wish we could curb um like you know for example you know we're not huge fans of slr but at the end of the day if that's ruining the experience for you know if that's if slr if we let's it's probably a low percent let's say 20 percent um let's say all the 20, 20% of the instances that were run of a particular dungeon participate in some level of SLR. What about the 80% of the people who are in the family guilds or just want to bring an alt in or maybe want to give a friend a piece of loot? It just makes it um, so much more restricted and punishing unnecessarily. Um, and yes, we don't support or approve of SLR, but it, you know, at the end of the day, we want people to have fun. Loot is a you know, primary component of our game. Uh, and the more we restrict that and the more rules we add, the more complicated it gets. And our to keep it simple, you know, we want people to be able to have access to the content. We don't want people to get into grinds or, you know, getting, getting back into that whole, you know, the flagging cycle and treadmill for a guild because nobody liked that. Um, it had a way of extending the replayability and the life of the content, but I'm sure you would agree that nobody enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, our goal right now is just to keep it accessible, but we did want something in place to ensure that, you know, there is at least some effort um, uh, to be appropriately flagged for that level of content for the race. Uh, you know, this whole topic is, uh, I, I'm torn on it. I, I, I like the old school philosophy that kind of Zelgad had posted about on the forums. I like that. Uh, however, on the other hand, I will be extremely happy if I never see the insides of the plane of war again. Right. Because I've been there to the point where I cannot take it anymore. I, I start losing it every time I see a, a flag is planted in Drunder. I think a puppy dies somewhere. 
Um, you know, so I, I like that old school. I like that everybody should have to earn their gear. Uh, I don't like that SLR is a victimless crime. Uh, you know, I, I think people, their achievements and what they wear and what they have should be a credit to what they earned, uh, not riding on the coattails of an alt or another character. Um, but on the other hand, I see that it is, it's entrenched in gameplay today. And I think about myself going back to the plane of war and I never want to go there again. I, I don't know if I'd want to run back flagging raids again or selling back flags or selling slots. I mean, uh, right. if you think back to the old days with the mythicals and in the ROK era, um, you know, guilds became um, sellers of mm-hmm. the opportunity to get your, get your item. Uh, I don't want to be in that role someday, and I could see a CR guild falling into that trap at some point. Back flagging is the most enormous waste of time. Uh, we, I can't tell you how much time my old raid guild spent back flagging, and it was like, oh, I, you got to find out what's on the agenda for the night before you decide whether to log in or not. It's just <laughs> awful. So any any back flagging that's removed is is great, I think second piece of this too so while there's a difference between doing uh, basically forcing mechanics uh, on guilds and groups with flagging um so consider that you know like a a hard system mechanic um of prevention let's say however this expansion more than any i know in recent memory is entirely dependent on gear and stats. So, uh, and we're actually looking at some ways to to do some really nice indications for players, so that um, when you do go into a dungeon to do the content that we've laid out for you, that you've got some indication that you're wasting your time because your stats and your gear is not good enough to survive. So that goes for advanced solo content. So, for example, I went to beta um, only moderately equipped with beta gear. Um, I picked up a quest for high keep, um, and I went in and with my merc and literally could not do the content because I didn't have enough crit chance. So we are trying to find elegant ways. Like when I talked to Zelgad, our, our uh, Michael Gans, our systems guy, I practically go blind with all the math. But my nice, simple, uh, user-friendly, gamer-friendly ways to explain you know, there is plenty of loot out there for you to gear up with. It's all part of the overland progression. And you as raiders will probably be well into the stats needed to do the advanced solo content. So it's not going to be as much of an issue for, for you guys. But if you're starting out from as an advanced solo player, there is a progression that you're going to be required to do. And that goes for the heroic content that has its own set of required gear. So like I said, best in slot for each playstyle really does mean something in this expansion. It's not just unilateral gear you're going to have to get upgrades um and it's a really good system like i said it's it'll be interesting to see um the global reaction the the reaction on beta has been really positive because there is this essentially a gear mini game that's meaningful that has choice for you and your character that allows you to tinker uh and really affect how your character plays um i thought it was and this is probably terrible to say and I hope Michael doesn't hear it. Initially, I thought it was more lip service than anything. Um, but with the reforging, um, I can tell you with tinkering with my gear for maybe 30 minutes, after I got out of high keep and was really embarrassed and yelling at people, uh, my experience was 100% different. It was 100% fun 
um, and a joy to play um, after I understood it. So our goal is um, making sure it's well understood. And so it's not frustrating because when I said I was yelling at people, it was an experience where I felt like I was unfairly being uh, punished for not having information basically going into a a zone with a quest that was freely offered to me by an NPC means to me that I should be able to do it. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. I'll be interested to hear your feedback. It's, it's very intelligent uh, item progression, which is something um, that the players and the community has been asking us for since Velius launched. (laughs) Because that, as you know, was not popular when it was re-itemized. So we can expect to see a reforging one-on-one class being offered at SOE University sometime soon. So I think we will be posting the itemization Magna Carta, which explains all the changes that we've made to the itemization um, and the path it will go in the future. So that's understood. Um, and then there is, I think I may have mentioned, Candor is really ready and willing to talk to anyone who wants to listen uh, and we'll be posting it pretty openly too and hopefully have something in a tutorial in game that explains uh, the updates to reforging uh, and how critical or meaningful that will be now uh, that it's much more open and and fair uh, and actually does affect your play style and your effectiveness ultimately. It's really cool. I'm really excited about it. I'm really not a min-maxer myself. <laughs> But once I got into some of the, it's pretty basic detail. They're pretty good at keeping it fairly simple. Um, but the changes that you can make are once you understand what's important for your class uh, or in your raid, um, the, the differences are pretty vast. I've had a lot of fun with it. It's different. I hate to say that um, I think the perception or at least the direction was historically we dumbed things down a fair amount to make it very simple and I think we lost a lot of the character of our game which is what it was originally intended to be and I think it's coming back with this team starting to bring meaningful itemization and progression back to the characters so I think it's I think they're doing a really good job so uh this past summer at SOE live we first heard about um merc slots which at the time sounded really awesome and people were, were excited about being able to collect their mercs. So, but now it seems like we are, it's a little different than what people had envisioned. It's you are going to basically pay a dollar or a hundred station cash um, to unlock each merc that you want to use to be able to use them at any time. So um, can you talk a little bit about what, uh, went into why did this become a uh, point of need purchase as opposed to a something a little different? When I announced it, uh, as you described, it was very similar to what we expected it to be. It was probably going to be more or less, um, our original um, design for it was more slot driven. So you would basically just unlock um, an additional slot and you could uh, have any number of mercs in it. Um, and in practice, that didn't work. Um, almost like uh, some some players are probably familiar with, you know, a mechanic where we have um, uh, character slots that you can unlock. When mercs start drop, dropping down the list, you couldn't necessarily identify the specific merc you wanted to have filled in the slot that was unlocked. It became a math thing. It was really unfriendly. Mm-hmm. 
then we came into this notion of the collection idea and we ultimately did have um, a massive list and basically there's two parts to it so when we went through it we thought the ability to be able to hire a Merc anywhere without the inconvenience of going back to town was the essence of what this feature is. It was less tied to the collection portion of it. Um, and we felt that because of that, realistically, most players are probably going to identify two or three Mercs um, that they really want to have on hand at any one time, maybe two, three, or four, without having to go back to the location or find the rare um, the rare Merc again. So once you've visited or hired a Mercenary in the past, you can unlock that and have it available to you at any time. Uh, and right now we're working at some adjustments to it. So um, for at least if your Mercs are alive when you want to switch them out, we'll, I think we're going to look at reducing the higher timer to summon them uh, so you're not waiting two or four minutes or five minutes rather to um, to change them out so that in and of itself is the function um, of the feature which is the convenience to summon at will once you've paid 100 sc to be anywhere in the field and not have to go visit a merc and you basically have them those couple of mercs and an on-call contract however in the feature itself, and I should say, too, that we're doing some UI design changes that I don't want to launch this feature without because I thought it was it needed to be improved um, from what it is on beta because it's not really clear what the feature is doing or what it's supposed to do. So in the future, hopefully in the next few days on beta, you'll see your known mercenaries list. So you'll be able to identify anyone you've ever hired or talked to. And you don't have to unlock them all. So you will ultimately be able to collect them in that way um, for free, right? So we're looking at hopefully having um, an additional achievement there so that if you have identified every Merc, there will be some general achievement. We will never tie an achievement to buying SC features. <laughs> you can rest assured. Um, really? Can I quote it, you on that? I was just going to ask. Oh, boy. I don't want to say it'll ever happen, but not on my watch, I don't think. So, um, yeah, so there'll be a method to collect all of them in a list. You'll see a nice, pretty list that shows all of your known mercenaries. And then above that, you've got the higher anywhere mercenaries that you would have unlocked each for 100 SC. Um, and we did in, pra in practical terms in use. The majority of people only use most often one is unlocked and maybe two. But that's ultimately where we went with it. Um, and originally it had always been intended to be a live feature. Um, and we had to, we, as you know, we would never um, release a feature like that without having a lot of significant discussions about, you know, what do we offer for free as a feature and a convenience. Um, and as a business, you know, as we open up, as you noticed, you know, we've opened up um, free, free, uh, free and silver membership um, have a lot of options now that they didn't have before. It's a lot less punishing to play, um, but we still need to find features that we don't feel are necessarily required, but you're paying for a convenience. So it's almost, you know, I don't want to liken it necessarily to a research reducer in the sense that you're paying a small fee for a convenience. 
it's not really something we would say is a required feature because you can always go find those mercenaries again and hire them without cost. The only the only difficulty for that one is for those players who have found the elite ones, those yes. those rare in the world spawn ones, um, and for as somebody who had one and then lost it uh, due to a and I'm doing air quotes feature, uh, <laughs> but I did get it back. I did get it back. I have to credit somebody for helping me out and getting it back. I was re-hunting for it because I figured, oh, customer service will never help me with this one. I'm just going to have to deal with this and do it again on my own. Um, I realized how fortunate I was the first time when I encountered that rare merc to, or that elite merc rather, to hire to hire it. Uh, when I tried to find it a second time, I realized again just how how precious that moment was in time. Um, so this this unlocking feature really does put those players who have found those elite mercs in a bind because they can't release them and just go back and get them. Yes, that is true. And that is one of those situations where we did want to add the feature so that it isn't lost. So yes, you're right. It is tying SC to something that does have some rarity attached to it in some cases. But like you said, no one's said that you can't go and camp and hunt for it for a week and a half. (laughs) A week and a half is being generous. (laughs) That's terrible. I know. Uh, so I, I won't bore bore everybody with, with Delmont's pain and suffering with Elite Mercs, but I do want to talk about something that Delmont's extremely excited for. And Good. That's, that's Dungeon Finder 2.0. Yes. Can so, you talk about how development for that's coming? So um, we're being very delicate and, and um, uh, yeah, we're, ta- we're being very careful. So as of November 12th, the matchmaker backend of Dungeon Finder that we've improved will release. So we'll actually start seeing smarter groups um, for Dungeon Finder and for Battlegrounds. Um, the front end won't have changed as of November 12th. The UI we're iterating on still. So that does have the whole group builder function. It will, it will have um, unique group builder functionality. Um, I believe we'll be building the gear score elements into it um, so that you can determine um, what kind of uh, gear score you would like in your group or at least um, make some of those determinations. And then, of course, there's some random functionality. So there's there's a bunch of pieces we're, we're cobbling together right now. We didn't want to release the front end with the additional features on November 12th because there's no – it's not ready we want to make sure it's very carefully done and very polished uh, and works exactly like you would expect it to. So we're aiming for probably first week of December um, for the additional feature, which is the, the unique group builder. Um, and these, there's a couple of other features I think that we'll probably have added at that point too, but we're being very slow and careful with it very much like we were with um you may have noticed, you know, with the heroic character, we spend a lot of time on the UI, which I don't think um, has historically been done in this game because we want everything to be pretty well understood. Um, you know, the game is complex enough as it is, and we want to make sure that, you know, it's all fairly um, easy to consume and understood. So, um, so far, the UI looks amazing. Um, but we'll keep making sure we iterate on it, and it should be a lot of fun uh, and useful uh, come December. Well, I, I'm very excited. I, you know, I was looking forward to Dungeon Finder 1.0. It 
didn't really pan out as well as I had personally hoped. Uh, so I'm excited to see the reinvention, and um, because again, I, I enjoy all those play styles—the the getting into the heroics and 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 you know, as, as Ali likes to say, putting a little MMO in my MMO, a little little other players in my in my MMO experience, and I think that's been lacking a little bit in in, in terms of group building and whatnot. So uh, this I'm looking forward to because there's still a lot of shinies out there that I need to collect. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, we'll probably ask you to come in beta and help us. Um, test it out and and iterate on it just because you know it's important for the people plan to use it that it works the way you expect and has the tools in it that you would like to have so yeah any help you can feedback where we really want help with it it's going to be it's important for us too we think it is that portion of the game that we really like to to revive uh and feed as much as we can which is as you said the mmo and the mmo uh speaking of beta um you're doing something different this time. We're seeing the rewards. You're seeing we're seeing rewards, and you're you're talking about them and telling telling people what they're going to get. Um, are you seeing more people beta testing uh, because of those rewards? And um, if so, do you think this is something you're going to keep doing? Yeah. Um, to be honest, um, Candor has been aiming to do this for years um and just unfortunately we i neither had the time or or wherewithal to do it um the response has been amazing i I don't uh, for most people who have been on beta there's usually you know three instances of the overland uh at any one time which for us for beta is you know something pretty special uh and because we've had the raids basically open for beta testing it's actually been pretty amazing um the number of guilds who've been on to test the raids uh, as well as the heroic content um so it's been you know a steady stream of pick up uh pick up heroics um there's been a couple of pickup raids even uh which you know i'm sure you can imagine for beta that's um not necessarily a common thing certainly mm-hmm. so yeah it's been we haven't seen populations like this on beta probably well at least since i've been here it's definitely been the most successful beta since um since i started so we'll keep doing it <laughs> That's good to hear. I saw my first Soka car. Somebody had obviously collected their beta reward and I think already has it on live. And I saw, so I saw somebody riding a Soka car in the guild hall earlier today. Um, can you tell me why people like that so much? What, riding Soka cars? To me, it's like a, I don't know, it's almost like a, it's like a stunted, like half frog dragon thing. I don't... <laughs> it, it, it looks like a frog that survived being run over. Isn't, what, isn't that Soka Car is French for that, maybe? <laughs> French Canadian. I'm not right. French Canadian, so I wouldn't know. Uh, all right, let me ask you another question. Beast Lords 2.0. Yes. Or is, or is there being called Channelers? Originally, they were dubbed the Anti Beast Lord. Oh, okay, very good. <laughs> uh, what, 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 uh, what prompted the team to decide to bring in now a 26 class? Uh, and what are some of the challenges that they faced in trying to integrate? Uh, this new class and balance it with all the others. Right. So, um, yeah. So originally we wanted to bring, uh, we wanted to add it. It's all, everything we do is all based on something we think that would be 
cool and fun to do. And we did like how the Beast Lord turned out, um, as well as the mechanics on it. And so originally there was this notion of what we called the anti-Beast Lord. And at that time it was more known like a artificer or a summoner type of uh, basically mechanical summoner or uh, an animate object kind of summoner to be the anti-beast lord um, and as the team got into it the the actual class evolved and changed into what the construct became um, it's the most unique class I think well I suppose it's all perspective now that we're here 10 years in but it's an incredibly unique play style that has a lot of really unique tools and it is in no way an anti-beast lord at this point it's kind of its own unique thing uh, as you know you know um, using a bow and um, having priest-like abilities it's it's definitely a mix of stuff that makes it really unique uh, in a group and it has its own unique challenges, certainly in balance. Um, and, you know, we were having obviously, you know, constant discussions about how it fits in to the grand scheme of things. But ultimately, um, you know, as math goes, it has its own place and it has its own for balance. We'll need to see how things go, especially, you know, in, in cases like PVP, et cetera. Um, We'll just be keeping an eye on it and making adjustments, but it's been uh, like Michael Gans, who, again, our systems designer, who, um, along with the design team, created it um, with the code team. It's He's been working away on it for probably two and a half months now. It's a really big effort, um, and he had, uh, he had a bit of a closed beta uh, and family beta where he had people um, who are really at numbers and math type things uh, to help him parse uh, and go through the tuning and balancing and develop the ideas. It's certainly not a trivial thing to add to the game. Um, the two and a half months was spent mostly with the, the channel or created and able to test it. As you know, we had a version of it available at SOE Live, um, but he's been working on it for, you know, all told, it's probably been six months. It's definitely not a trivial process to add a new class to this game. And we don't really see another one in the future anytime soon at this point. I think we feel we have a really strong balance and certainly some might say 26 is enough, you know? I I can certainly appreciate that. Um, Again, especially seeing there's only room for 24 in a raid and I'm already number 25 uh, for that raid. I don't want to wind up as now number 26. (laughs) But uh, I, I do have, and I think both Allie and I have, uh, some rather selfish questions now that we actually have the senior producer with us so we can push our own agendas here. <laughs> so the most important question that I have, uh, Windstalker, is will there be a Bixie kill count in the, in the new expansion? If not by launch day, shortly thereafter. Mostly because it was on Candor's list of things to do. And so he's working on that now. Uh, wow, she just threw him under the bus. If it's not done, it's Candor's fault. <laughs> He's been busy doing other things. Well, of course, and as she was saying earlier, how important player feedback is to him, except for the, the fact that there's only one player who's asking for this. <laughs> so how high can it get up the priority list if only Delmon is asking for it, right? <laughs> well, it worked for the giant kill count. So. It did, it did, although I, I, I believe that only worked because I cornered you at SOE Live. <laughs> <laughs> get you off my back <laughs> yes yeah, so it'll be it'll definitely be coming 
And my selfish question has to do with something near and dear to my heart, but I kind of might know the answer because I heard someone talking about it in our EQ2 talk channel and game. Will there be armadillo pets? So do you have a friend on the inside who not only, yes. So yes to armadillo pets or a type of armadillo pets, but you will also find some very specially named armadillo pets come launch day that should oh my. have great meaning for you. I yeah. can't tell you how excited I am. And to both of you, I, I have to say that the, the, these two particular um, armadillo pets are very aptly named. <laughs> well, now I'm going to have to take that day off. <laughs> or the day after, maybe. I will... Uh, I'll let you know who created them for you. Oh my goodness. But, but let me ask you uh, the expansion in general, uh, Holly, what, what aspect of you of it are you most excited to be, to be playing on launch day? What are you, what are you going to dive into right away? Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I really, I get a kick out of the overland content right, right now, just because talking to the dragons and right now I, through beta, I'm discovering all the dialogue and the work that the team has done the first time, as well as some of the, the advanced solo dungeons as well, and some of the heroic content. It is really well done, really good in-character content. There's some really good, unique storytelling, and as you mentioned earlier, as the lore lady, I'm very particular about the stories we tell uh, and how well we tell it. Um, and honestly in the overland too the team has put um some basic some speed boosts as well uh in the environment (laughs) so when you're flying around you do get speed boosts and things and it's they spent so much time on the detail oh and by the way the collections are going to make you crazy they're everywhere Um, tons of trade skill stuff there's trade skill collection there's just there's so much content uh in this expansion that i'm really it's I'm just super excited. And also, you know, my biggest joy when I play any expansion is listening to the chatter. That's, that's what I look forward to most on a launch. And if they yell, I log off. (laughs) (laughs) Or if they say something mean, I look. But to be honest with you, you know, there, there's a very big difference between what we see on the forums and what we see in game. And it's the people in game that are having a lot of fun and joy with the content and that's kind of what we look for and usually after we launch that's where we spend our time um is being accessible and listening to what people are saying and you know of course reacting to it when we need to but mostly it's you know it's that satisfaction that we've you know that the team and the entire team has done really well and and done a good job and the the players are always gracious and that's what that's what we do this for right is to um not that we need appreciation but we just seeing people have fun and talk about how things are is what matters to us and one last question for you holly (laughs) we've had you now three times we've already asked you the most important question of all about whether you prefer bacon or ham yes about now this is the 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 most important question 2.0 or 3.0 i guess cranberry sauce fresh or canned none (laughs) well that question backfired I couldn't even make choice because cranberries, the way Delmon feels about onions. Oh, wow. That's harsh. That That is, t- that is tough. I mean, I, I'll admit onions are my 
are my food nemesis. Right. Uh, but I have to say, I love the cranberry. Uh, I'll do both. Would you, you eat really? Oh yeah. What's yeah. In, what's in a raw cranberry that's of any interest? You know, I don't know. I just love them. I, I love them when they dry them out and make little craisins out of them. I love, I love them in, craisins. Craisins are good in, in a salad. Yeah, oh, That's, muffins. Muffins. Yeah. yeah. Fruitcake, another one. And any dried fruit, nature anomaly is not my friend. <laughs> I think they were not intended to be that way. So I'm anti-raisin, anti-craisin. <laughs> and generally cranberries. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, interesting. All right, Allie, we better get uh, get online and cancel the fruitcake we were going to have shipped to her. Right, direct from the cranberry bog? Yes. <laughs> Where we had special farmers pick them by hand for you. <laughs> but it, does it make a difference if I, I drink cranberry juice if it has vodka in it? <laughs> that works. Uh, vodka kills the taste of all things. <laughs> we'll have to make we'll have to make that a third choice: fresh, canned, or uh, alcoholic. Right. There we go. All right, then, uh, then, ladies, do we have anything else for this, the seventy-second episode of the EQ Two Talk podcast? I think that pretty well covers everything. All right. So uh, first, let's say thank you to the Wilson family, Allie, for allowing us to sit out here in this beautiful turkey pasture here at. Full Quiver Farm, which you can check them out over there at fullquiverfarm.com. And also a big shout out to this week's corporate sponsor, Green Giant, picked at the peak of perfection alley. Uh, You know you can get all your frozen green beans, your corn and butter sauce, and all that. And don't forget to say hello to Little Sprout over there and give him a big ho, 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 Green Giant. If you'd like to reach us, you can send us an email. I'm at alley at eq2talk.com. And I'm Delmont at EQ2talk.com. You can reach us in game at EQ2.unrest.alicious. That's A-L-I-S-C-I-O-U-S. And I'm EQ2.unrest.delmont. That's D-E-L-L-M-O-N. You can join our in-game chat channel. That's EQ2.unrest.eq2talk. You can also check us out there over on the Facebook where we are Facebook.com slash EQ2talk. Or follow us on Twitter at EQ2talk. Hope everyone will join us again for episode number 73. And we want to say thank you very much to Holly for taking time out of her very busy schedule to join us here. We hope that you had a great time with us. Naturally. And I want to wish everyone happy holiday season. And we hope to see you in game. Thanks for having me. Hopefully you'll come back for our first four-way, Holly. And say goodnight, Allie. Goodnight, Allie. Oh, look, I forgot to hit the record button. Oh, that's funny. Did you gag a little when you said that? I know. I'm like, oh, my God. He said green beans. I did say green beans. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till later and I throw down the ho, ho, ho. Dog goes woof. Cat goes meow. Bird goes tweet. And mouse goes squeak. Cow goes moo. Frog goes croak, and the elephant goes toot. Dogs say quack, and fish go blub, and the seal goes ow, ow.